Well, good afternoon. Yesterday, I was praying into this message, and I feel like the Lord told me to do something, so I'm just going to step out and do it today, and um, we'll see where this goes. But Father, we thank you again for today, for this word, for this season, for your presence with us today. God, we don't take it for granted. We don't take it lightly. But God, even today, before we start this message, before we unpack this word and get into this next series, I believe you have called us just to prophesy life, even before we get started. So, Father, I declare and I decree life, the very breath of God to come and to blow in this place right now into every person, into every family, into every person represented here. God, I declare life. I declare awakening. I declare revival. I declare salvation. I declare freedom in the name of Jesus to every captive. I say, be loosed, be set free. I say, when blow in this place, thank you for your power to set free. Thank you that the blood of Jesus sets us free. There is nothing stronger. It breaks every chain and every dead bone and every dead place will rise at the command of Jesus Christ. So we say wind blow, life come and stir us up today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, let me just say right up front that I have truly Loved the journey that the Lord has been taking us on, uh, especially this year as we've been going through these different series and these different teachings that he's been unpacking. I mean, everything is new, everything is fresh, and it's been a great learning experience as we've all been growing into the church that the Lord had placed on Rochelle and I's heart. So it's really been an amazing process to kind of even just be a part of. And I love that we're getting to do this all together as a family. I feel like a lot of what the Lord's been kind of putting on our hearts to go through has been kind of uh, foundational in a way, but it's been very good because it's been forcing us to kind of shore up the foundation to make it strong, to make it resolute so that the Lord can come and build upon it the house that he has called us to be individually, family-wise, and as, as a body of believers here at Freedom House. We are people who will stand on the word of God. We are people who will take him seriously every time he has made a promise to us. We are people who are coming into the fullness of our identity in Christ. And now we have come to a place where I believe the Lord is having us pivot. Okay. So we're going to take everything that he's been unpacking, everything that we've been learning and going through together. And now it's the, and now what do I do with it all? So this is about taking that next step. I believe he's going to speak to us over the next few weeks about us taking that next step of reaching out and touching someone with the love of God of reaching out and encouraging someone with a word in season to intercede for those that many would write off as being a lost cause. So we're going to be preaching on evangelism 
in unpacking this over the next coming weeks. And I firmly believe we are going to see God move more powerfully than we have ever seen before. We're going to see walls come down in people's lives and families as never before. And we are going to see healings, miracles like never before for the harvest that is coming forth. It's helpful since we've come from some different backgrounds and denominational beliefs and and train of thought to kind of go through some definitions just to make sure we're on the same page. So what is evangelism? Merriam-Webster actually defines this as the winning or revival, I like that, of personal commitments to Christ. It's not just going and winning someone new to the cause of Christ. It's also awakening and stirring up again someone's previous decision that maybe has become lukewarm over time. The Oxford Dictionary actually defines this as the spreading of the Christian gospel by public preaching or personal witness. What I like about this is a lot of times people get in their head, oh, that's just something some preacher guy does over here. That's evangelism. But this is actually also a personal witness. We each have an opportunity to represent Jesus to our world. We get the privilege of sharing the good news. You don't have to be a full-time evangelist like Billy Graham to spread the gospel. You just have to be willing to share your testimony with the one person God's put in your life to speak into. You don't have to be a big name TV preacher with a worldwide ministry. You just have to be an open book that people can look at and find Jesus Christ for themselves. Every single one of us has a fire inside and each of us has the ability to set other people ablaze. You are anointed and appointed by God to preach the good news. So stop listening to any of the enemy's lies. You have a voice. You have a purpose. You have an anointing. You have a mantle. You have a destiny and a calling. You have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you. And it's him that makes you bold. It's him that makes you powerful. It's him that puts the right people in your path at the right time to speak the right word in season. And I've kind of felt this welling up for a little while now. And I have to admit, this is going to be a little more convicting, but I don't want us to be a church that slips into the norm of relegating churchy things to church experts. You see, In America, we've become very good at outsourcing things to other people, to specialists, right? Well, okay, I'll go to the mechanic and I'll have him do all my auto work for me. I'll go to the plumber and have him do all my plumbing work for me. But sometimes we take this mindset into church where, okay, we'll just, we'll pay the pastor and he'll do all the ministry work for me. But it's interesting because the pastor actually has a unique role. It's not just he gets to come and do a job. He's actually training and equipping people for the work of the ministry themselves. 
We want Freedom House to be that equipping center where people encounter the love of God, get totally set free, become lifelong disciples, and then actually go and minister to the people in their world for themselves. So point number one today, evangelism is vital. It's very important for us to look at the vast importance of evangelism. After all, if we don't understand the value, if we don't find it personally important or think it's our responsibility at all, why would we do it? Well, we wouldn't. I think we instinctively know that it's important, but maybe we don't consciously think about it all the time as being like a part of me personally getting to fulfill a part of the Great Commission to tell the good news. But I want us to look and start off with what Jesus said in the book of Mark, chapter 16, verses 15 through 18. And I want you to put yourself into this and imagine that Jesus is saying these words directly to you. As you go into all the world, preach openly the wonderful news of the gospel to the entire human race. Whoever believes the good news and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe the good news will be condemned. And these miracle signs will accompany those who believe. They will drive out demons in the power of my name. They will speak in tongues. They will be supernaturally protected from snakes and from drinking anything poisonous. And they will lay hands on the sick and heal them. Now, Hopefully you can see these attributes in yourself and for sure at Freedom House. But I want to specifically point us to verse 15 today. As you go into the world, preach openly the good news. So Justin's translation would be, as you go about your daily life, represent Jesus correctly so that other people can see him in you. Speak his words with boldness and conviction, knowing you are standing on the truth and it is the truth that will set other people free. Be a good witness for the case for Christ and testify about what God has done for you. Report the facts. Love people to life. Let your light shine so that other people can see and come to Christ for themselves. You have a great story to tell. What has God done in your life? How did God save you and turn your life around? Who did you used to be, but aren't now only by the grace of God? We know in scripture that God loves everyone and wants everyone to come to faith, but he chooses to use us as believers to be his messengers to spread the good news. Look at 2 Peter 3.9. The Lord does not delay as though he were unable to act and is not slow about his promise as some count slowness, but is extraordinarily patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. I know a lot of times in spirit-filled circles, we tend to focus on the very first part of Acts 1-8, which is, of course, amazing, and it is truth, 
But there is more to verse eight that will give us a clue as to the purpose of the power that the Spirit makes available to us. So let's look at that real quick. Acts 1.8. But you will receive power and ability when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And here's the second part. And you will be my witnesses to tell people about me, both in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. You see, part of the reason we are endued with this power from on high is to be Jesus witnesses in the world. Now, I know personally, some people are a little more reserved in the thought of walking up to complete strangers like at the mall or the store and coming at them with a five point message of salvation is kind of intimidating. But I don't see in scripture about any personality traits excluding people from being a witness and sharing. And I also know that sometimes this is rooted in fear. So we can't use that as an excuse or a crutch because the Holy Spirit also makes us bold, which means he empowers us to do the very things that he has called us to do. Boldness doesn't necessarily mean volume, although sometimes it does, but not necessarily. Sometimes it's actually just doing the thing. You might even feel like a little bit nervous or scared, but you know it's God's will and you step out and you do it anyway. If we don't spread the gospel, who will? How will people know what Jesus has done if nobody tells them? People's eternities are at stake. The apostle Paul makes this case very strongly in Romans 10, 13 through 15. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord in prayer will be saved. But how will people call on him and whom they've not believed? And how will they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher or messenger? And how will they preach unless they are commissioned and sent for that purpose? Just as it is written and forever remains, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. Y'all got some beautiful feet. Amen. Amen. Point number two, back to the basics. Let's look at how the early church actually did evangelism. We'll notice right off the bat, they started everything with prayer. It was only after they'd been praying so long in the upper room and after being baptized with the Holy Spirit that Peter was able to step out and preach that very first spirit-filled message You'll see in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter said to them, Repent, change your old way of thinking, turn from your sinful ways, and accept and follow Jesus as the Messiah, and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ because of the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter, the career fisherman, became the great fisher of men, cast the net wide that day and boldly proclaimed the good news. And he brought in a great catch of 3,000 souls into the kingdom with that one message. That's why you need the Holy Spirit to empower you. 
Paul also used prayer as the foundation for his evangelistic opportunities. He wrote to the church to be diligent, to intercede for him in his ministry, but he also gave them some very practical tips on how to deal with unbelievers as well. Let's pick up at Colossians 4, verses 2 through 6. Be persistent and devoted to prayer, being alert and focused in your prayer life with an attitude of thanksgiving. At the same time, pray for us too, that God will open a door of opportunity to us for the word, to proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I've been imprisoned, that I may make it clear and speak boldly and unfold that mystery in a way that I should. And then he says, conduct yourself with wisdom in your interactions with outsiders, with the non-believers. Make the most of each opportunity, treating it as something precious. Let your speech at all times be gracious and pleasant, seasoned with salt, so that you will know how to answer each one who questions you. When I read this, I feel we may need to be shifting some mindsets today. If we feel constantly inconvenienced by having to deal with non-believers, if we only focus on the things that they don't get yet or don't understand, if we only see them in the natural and not prophetically the way God intended them to be, we will miss these beautiful opportunities when God brings them up in our path. Yes, we should spend the bulk of our time with the Father in the secret place. Yes, our closest friends should also be believers, so we are constantly being built up and not torn down again, being unequally yoked. But we don't just exist to pray. We don't just exist to fellowship. At some point, we do have to step out and love other people too. We have a job to do. We have a mission to accomplish. We have to give it away. We have to find ways to pour out into other people. We have to minister light and love to those hurting and in darkness. Just like Jesus' example. We spend time with the Father. We fellowship with our believing friends. And then we minister to the world. We may need to pray and ask God to change something in our hearts so that we have his heart of compassion for the people and to see people the way that he sees them. But we may also need to pray that God will open the doors for us to make the places straight before us and to give us opportunities to represent him in word and action to those around us. Now, one of the things I love about my mother-in-law is that she took this very seriously. And I know some people might, oh, well, I'm a, I'm a stay-at-home mom. I don't have a lot of opportunities to reach out to others. Well, first of all, I didn't run this by you, but I think it'll be okay. <laughs> your, first, your first response, obviously, pour into your child. Make sure they are totally equipped and ready for the kingdom. But even if you do have to stay at home, 
you can pray for God to put people in your life. And I love that she wasn't content to only just sit at home, but she would actually pray, God, bring people to my house so that I can minister to them, that I can love them and share the gospel. And people's cars would literally break down in front of the house and they would come right up to the front door. So sometimes the door that you're praying for God to open for you might actually be your own front door that he's bringing people right up to you. He can do it. I also love this note from the Passion Translation on verse 6 from the same passage. Literally that word, that phrase, seasoned with salt, is an idiom that means friendly, clear, making people thirsty for the truth. You see, salt makes people thirsty. Are we salty enough that people are thirsty for the truth? Man, that's convicting. (laughs) Jesus said, we are supposed to be the salt of the earth. Now, Paul says our words to unbelievers are to be so salty that they will then desire and seek after the pure living water for themselves. Are we salty? Point number three, create a climate for life. Besides prayer, we also see that the early church was essentially a healthy, vibrant, spirit-filled community that dwelt together in unity. I'm going to break down a few key verses. The Lord recently has been taking me through the book of Acts. So this is, I just thought this was amazing picture. So we're in Acts 2, and we're going to see the type of culture that they created that became the fertile soil for the growth to occur and sustain. So we're going to be picking up in Acts chapter 2, starting with verse 42. The first part said, Every believer was faithfully devoted to following the teachings of the apostles. Notice it says, Every believer. Everyone was committed. Everyone was all in, not just some, not just the leaders, and they were faithfully devoted, not casually, not haphazardly, not whenever they felt like it. And what was everyone devoted to? The teaching of the apostles. They were all following the same thing. They were all going the same direction. They were all on the same page. There was unity. Picking back up in 42, the second part, it says their hearts were mutually linked to one another, sharing communion and coming together regularly for prayer. You see, their hearts were tied to one another. Some translations say they had great fellowship. The Passion says they became partners. See, they became a spiritual family It sounds like one of those positive soul ties that we were talking about several weeks ago. And they shared communion and prayed together often. This is one of the reasons why we take communion every week together as a church family. It's why we start every church service with prayer. We end every service with prayer. We have dedicated nights every month for presence for prayer. Why? Because we want to make space. We want to put weight and emphasis on praying and agreeing together. Picking up in 43. 
There was a deep sense of holy awe that swept over everyone. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. They had the fear of the Lord. They had a deep reverence for God. It was from this place of commitment, of unity, of love and family and the fear of the Lord that the miraculous and the supernatural became natural. Now, this is so vital for today. I mean, you can look around the culture. Many people are obsessed with supernatural things, except sadly, many Christians The enemy has hijacked what should be normal and powerful and amazing and basically made things that are dark seem cool or more powerful and then tries to intimidate and scare believers who have the real power and authority to never step out in faith, to never believe God to move, to never exercise any faith to see any signs, wonders, and miracles. But we see right from the word of God, Jesus has given us all authority over every power of the enemy. That means there's no witch or warlock that can stand against a spirit-filled believer who is standing on the word and operating in their authority. We can only please God when we have faith. Jesus himself said he would give us his Holy Spirit and that he would empower us. Jesus said we would do the same things he did and even greater. For too long, the church collective has listened to the enemy's lies and been scared of the enemy's threats. But there is a remnant rising. There is a group who is daring enough to take God at his word and believe him and will see the same great signs, wonders, miracles, and healings that will rock the world. This is what will change a hardened unbeliever's heart into the truth that God is real. The devil is a liar. Don't ever forget, it was Moses' staff that ate all of Pharaoh's magicians' staffs. It was God's prophet Elijah that took out all Jezebel's false prophets. It was Daniel who was 10 times wiser than all the king's astrologers. It was Philip the evangelist who had more power than Simon the sorcerer. It was Paul who made the wizard Elemis blind so he would stop interfering with his mission. And don't ever forget, it was the Son of God, Jesus Christ, anointed by the Spirit, who cast out every devil he came across, who healed every sickness and disease in his path. He raised the dead back to life, and now he lives in you. He's empowering you to do the same things that he did. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. All things are possible with God. There is no one like our God. Amen. Picking back in verse 44. And all the believers were in fellowship as one body and they shared with one another whatever they had. Out of generosity, they even sold their assets to distribute to those who were in need among them. They were generous. They looked out for one another. When they found out about a need, they did what they could to help because that's what family does. Family takes care of family. 
verse 46. It says, daily they met together in the temple courts in one another's homes to celebrate communion. And they shared meals together with joyful hearts and tender humility. Again, we see a beautiful picture of a family doing life together. And then finally, we see in verse 47, they were continually filled with praises to God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord kept adding to their number daily those who were coming to life. This early church was always praising God. They were always giving thanks. They were always exhibiting an attitude of gratitude. So now we see after all this amazing setup through these five verses, we get to the payoff. The Lord kept adding to their number daily those who were coming to life. You see, you have to create an environment to sustain life before you can put something in there to live. That's what God did in the beginning. He put the earth at just the right distance from the sun. He had it spin at just the right rotation. He put just the right amount of water, just the right amount of food, just the right amount of oxygen. And only then did he create man to live in that environment. It was the right climate to sustain life. We are building a culture here at Freedom House. We are setting an environment. We are cultivating an atmosphere where the Holy Spirit is welcomed, celebrated, needed, wanted, and free to do whatever he wants to do. We know where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And where the Spirit blows, there is the breath of life. Things grow naturally in their right environment and living things flourish when the conditions are right. So we are all communicating every hour of every day. Whether we know it or not, whether we want to or not, our lives, our words, our behaviors are speaking loudly to the world around us. But what message are we broadcasting? Hope? Life? Love or something else? Are we intentional about our interactions with those around us? Or do we treat them flippantly? I know I've been guilty of this myself, but I don't want to miss any God opportunities that he is putting in my path. I want to be intentional with those interactions. I want to double check my source material and ensure what I'm communicating is what I'm intending, that it is faithful, that it is true, that it is pointing people to Jesus and that it is seasoned with salt and fire. How about you? We are believing for revival. We are believing for awakening. We are believing for reformation in our city and nation is a process it's a season. We've been plowing the ground. We've been faithfully sowing our seeds. We've been diligent to make sure it's getting plenty of water and sun, and we will see a harvest of souls come into the kingdom of God. 
Now is the time to press in like never before. It is always a good prayer request to intercede for people to come to faith in Christ. We know it's the express will of God that everyone would come to a saving knowledge of him. We know it's his will for people to be able to hear and choose for themselves to have a relationship of their own. But we also know that he has commissioned us to help spread the word, to be messengers, not just of the good news, but the best news the world has ever received. There is a reason why John 3.16 is probably the most known and memorized Bible verses, because in one verse, it encapsulates the gospel. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I know it can seem overwhelming at times, thinking about trying to reach the whole world. It's like writing a book or starting a big project. If you stop and think about the totality of it, it can freak you out and keep you from even taking that very first step. But I wanted to encourage you today, you're not alone. There's an entire family who are on this same mission with you. Not only that, God himself is going with you and encouraging you and giving you exactly what to say. So instead of thinking of you personally trying to reach an entire planet of people all by yourself, we're going to laser focus in on one. The one person that God puts on your heart. The one person you know needs God desperately right now in their lives. And what we're going to do is actually take a page from the Apostles' Handbook, and we're going to start with prayer. Over this month, we're each going to pray for the one. We are going to write their name down, and we are going to pray and ask God to speak to their hearts. We are going to pray and ask God to give them dreams and visions. We are going to ask for God to send angelic assistance. We are going to ask that God would open the doors for us and other people to have opportunities to speak hope and encouragement into their lives this month. We're going to pray for the one for an entire month, and then we're going to step out and invite them to come to church with us in September. What I'd like for us to do today, I'd like everyone to take a connection card on the back. If you don't have one, I think there's some on that table, but what I'd like for you to do on the back, there's a place for a prayer request and a place for a testimony. And what I'd like to do, I'm going to give you some time. I'd like you to pray about one person, one person that you feel like God put in your life. You may not have to look very far. It could be someone in your family, a friend, a coworker, someone. And I want you to write their first name under prayer request. And I want you to write their first name under testimony. Then I want you to tear the card in half and you're going to take the prayer request with their name, with you, and you use that as a reminder to pray for them. Every day this month, 
for their salvation and to have an encounter with the love of God. And then I want you to take the testimony half with their name. And before you leave, come and leave it up here at the front. And we are going to agree with you. We're going to put our faith with you and agree for every person by name that they will come to faith for the one. We are also going to do this with you. And we are going to see a great harvest come in as a result of these prayers and these intercession for these future saints. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to give you a little bit of time. Pray about someone. Write their name in. Tear it up. Bring the other one down. And I'm excited about what God's going to do. I, I, I just feel it in my spirit to do this. So I'll go ahead and give you all some time. Father, I do thank you for today. I thank you that we can stand on your word, that we can stand on your promises, that you are empowering us with boldness to step out in faith, to constantly be praying and interceding for your will to be done in these people's lives around us. So God, even before we do this, I thank you in advance for what you're doing, that you're probably already working out things in all these people's lives already, that you're already setting things in motion, that you're already setting up divine encounters and meetings with people. I thank you that you are removing blinders off of people's eyes, that they could see you clearly. I thank you for unplugging deaf ears, that they can spiritually hear what you are saying to them. I thank you for softening hard hearts this month. I thank you that you are moving in people's lives. You are sending open doors for us to speak and have influence in these people's lives. And I thank you for the harvest that is coming. You said to ask you would give the nations to us. So God, in our personal lives, for that one person, we ask for the nations. We ask for the harvest to come in people's lives. So thank you for the opportunity to partner with you and seeing your will fulfilled and fulfilling the great commission and sharing the light. We are not going to hide our light under a bush. We're going to let it shine. And people will come to the light of the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.